And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. It is Monday. Let's get us a little metal to get the blood pumping a little bit. Welcome, everyone. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hutt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Glad to have all of you with us. Uh, those of you who are with us live, we are broadcasting to Twitch, YouTube, Odyssey, and Rumble. And uh, this show is also available as a podcast. And those of you who do listen to this as a podcast, you're more than welcome to join us on the live video every now and again because sometimes we do have visual aids. And we've also got a Discord server. You can join us there as well as all the socials. And the, the email address for feedback or topic suggestions, guests to invite, live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. Here we go. All right, so um, today we are talking about a new series. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but uh, there is a new series that's coming to Netflix that stars Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we're not talking to Arnold. We're talking to somebody very much as important as Arnold. Simon Phillips joins us to talk about his role in the show as well as other things. The show is called FUBAR. And and those of us who uh, have seen Tango and Cash, we know what FUBAR means. Welcome, Simon. How are you, sir? Thank you, Jason. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to to be able to get to talk to you and and uh, and and kind of pick your brain a little bit because you have been doing this for a while, and you're kind of the you're kind of the heavy. You're kind of the bad guy. You, I mean, you look at the you look at the 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 headshot that I mean that's straight up Sons of Anarchy type stuff. I mean. Are you are you in danger of being typecast as a bad guy all the time? Let me ask you another question. Would that be a bad thing? People are always <laughs> talking about, uh, are you in danger of being typecast? You mean, am I in danger of working all the time? There you go, right? That's, that's all how you look at it. <laughs> exactly. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. So how how did you... Did, did it happen naturally? Did you gravitate toward... You know, I think I wanted to be the the tough guy in 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 this shot. How, how did that work out? No, I, when I was when I was a younger man, many many moons ago, I wanted uh, to be the hero. Actually, sort of, uh, I was like, yeah, I kind of saw that. And then when I started doing uh, actual stuff, something was I was sort of clean shaven. Um, and something wasn't sitting right. It wasn't like I couldn't get the roles. wasn't like I couldn't do it. But um, the minute I sort of uh, grew my beard, I uh, got a bit older, a bit more experienced, and started doing bad guy stuff, people were like, "Ah, that's it. That's a thing. Do that. Uh, you know, you can because you can kind of be funny and do your thing, but be a bad guy. That, that's that's the that's your thing. Do that." Yeah. So how does it feel being the bad guy? Because it, every now and again, we'll run across the interviews with people who enjoy playing the villain almost more than they oh. enjoy playing the, the, the hero, the good guy, because the bad guy gets to do all of this stuff. I mean, you can chew the scenery a little bit, yeah? 
the get the bad guy gets all the fun, I think, in everything. I know. I, actually, now that I'm where I am, perhaps I've got a different perspective on it. I do love it a lot more because he gets to have a lot more fun than anybody else. Um, and also, I think bad guys are they're more relatable. I'll tell you why. Because I think you know, like it's very hard to relate to Captain America. Do you know what I mean? He's so mm-hmm. square jawed, good. You know, he's he's perfect. You know, yeah. he's, and his decision making is perfect as well. You're like that's hero mentality. But I like a bit of flawed. You know, every now and then you see a bad guy and at the end of the movie, he explains why he's doing what he's doing. He's like, he has some big backstory. And, and but you know, the more I listen to those things, the more I'm on their side. I was like, well, yeah, if that had happened to me too, I mean, maybe I'd be doing that as well. You know, like uh, I'm, I feel like myself more empathizing with the bad guy. Uh, and that's, that's kind of, uh, I've been empathizing with the bad guy since Die Hard and I liked Alan Rickman's I was like you know what he's a charming man you know so what he's <laughs> you know so uh are are you are you angling toward a particular type of bad guy role here I mean is there is there the dream job that's you know I really uh, want to play this particular vi- villain well now, now look uh, you know so I've been very fortunate in my career including what I'm obviously here PRing today uh to sit sometimes opposite iconic good guys so if you're going to be the bad guy don't you want the guy that you're looking across from facing off against to be Arnold Schwarzenegger oh sure probably that's that's a very good that's a good mountain to have in front of you and indeed be on top of in one point so the show is called fubar it is a netflix series it is arnold schwarzenegger's first television series and it's sort of a spiritual follow-up to true lies he's uh he's a cia guy He's getting ready to get out, and he's got one more job, and somehow ends up getting assigned a, 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 a helper, a partner, who turns out to be his daughter, and neither one of them knew the other one was in the CIA. So how did, how, what, what are you doing in this, and how did you get involved in it? Well, yes, it's, uh, it's definitely got a nod to True Lies, which, I, by the way, I love. Not just because it's an action movie, but because it's that action comedy. And I think that comedy bit is really important at the end of it. It sort yeah. of elevates it a little bit for me so that the show doesn't take itself too seriously. Like, it looks like everybody had an immense amount of fun making it, and that's what makes it fun to watch, I think. Uh, it is sort of a marvellous innocence about it sometimes. Um, but, yes, how did I come into the show? Yes, all these legends. And there's like Nick Centora and Dana Goldberg, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then Simon pops up. And they're like, hey, he looks odd out. Um, but I got involved because uh, I because I auditioned for it. My agent got me um, an audition for it, uh, which is very nice of her. Um, shout out to her, Lisa. And um, I just auditioned for it in my British accent. And then they just called and said, do you, you, know, do you want to do this? Yes, and I, I was like, I was like, and I was unsure at that moment that I was like, is the person that I'm in the scene with? I'm only in one little bit of this, um, only in the pilot episode. Uh, is this Arnold Schwarzenegger? And they're like, oh yes, that's him. Yeah, and I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm the first scene. Like, if I, without spoiling the show, but uh, I open the show basically with Arnold Schwarzenegger. The first person he sits down and talks to is me, basically. And I was like, and they're like, yeah, that's that's you. And I was like, and it's his first ever TV show. And I was like, yeah. And I'm in the first episode, first scene. I'm, I'm, I'm welcoming Arnold Schwarzenegger to the world of television. Nice. And, and they were like, yes. And I was like, then absolutely. Yeah, that's <laughs> that. They count. I'll, I'll be there wherever I need to be. I'll be there. And then they were like, okay, we want you to do some German 
and you have to do the whole thing in like a Flemish accent. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is what you just said? And they were like, oh, from Holland. And I was like, ah, I did not know that. And nor do I know what that sounds like. I'll have to look that up. But thankfully, these guys have got so much money. They uh, they set me up with dialect coaches. They're like, no, we have a we have a voice guy for you. So don't you just have to Zoom him and do a couple of sessions with him and you'll be fine. So and it, it, was, it was very exciting. How often do you do you find yourself in those situations where you have to uh, take on another accent that's not your own? Because there are a number of British actors, you know, Henry Cavill, uh, Tom Holland, you know, all all of these guys coming over here and playing American superheroes for one. And you know, there's there's that generic Midwest American accent that's kind of a non-accent. Do you find yourself? Is there call for just your normal regular accent or do you have to keep doing different different voices well you know when you're an actor you accept one thing uh which is that you are the subject of somebody else's whim you know so you're being hired <laughs> to uh, you're being hired to do something else so often they ask for different things but uh, let me do one thing i do which definitely talks me out of jobs all the time uh whenever they i audition i audition just in my own accent and uh, they, you know, they go, can you do an American accent? And I'm like, no, you know, sort of <laughs> just say that first off. And then they look at your demo reel and go, really? Because you, you know, you're on here doing an American accent. I was like, I have done it. But my here's my take on this. I was like, if you would like an American, why don't you just hire an American? Because I'm, uh, you know, you, you'll get what you want. Yeah. That, that's literally the line of dialogue I give to these casting directors and producers, um, you know, sort of. Because I like to improvise, and I explain it to them. I was like, I really like to ad lib and improvise a little bit sometimes when I'm performing, and that's harder to do in an accent that isn't your own, you know. So because you have to, you, the vernacular. Is, it's also the way people speak. It's not just how they sound. It's the way they talk. Sure. Um, so I I enjoy doing that, but it's very hard to do in a different accent. Uh, so I, if I could, I would, you know, I would ask you to use me as I am. And change your script to allow that. Um, so sometimes it's you know it's very obvious. Like if the, if you're you're playing some sort of sleazy lawyer, well the lawyer could be from England. Do you know what I mean? Sort of it's uh you know or some if so if there's a way the character could be from somewhere else, then you know I try and get them to to do that so that uh, they get a bit more out of it. I do explain it to them. I was like, you'll get more out of me if you do that. This is adding value to you a little bit. I'll be easier to give what you want you know sort of on the day and uh and every now and then they just they do allow that you know sort of it doesn't happen all the time but uh you know you have to you have to accept that you're you're doing a job for somebody else that's a that's a very workman-like attitude it, it kind of reminds me of of an interview that i saw with harrison ford one time when he was talking about fan they were asking him about fans and he says, I don't I don't think of them as fans. I think of them as customers. And and you're sitting here talking about adding value basically to a product. Yeah, uh, it's very much kind of the same kind of mindset. Is that something that you came by through very specific experiences that's that got you here? Or is this where you started or how, how did you how did you decide? Here's my value proposition. This is what I'm going to go with. Uh, it's you know you get as you get older and wiser uh jason you know you get a bit uh, uh you know sort of more experienced and that experience has value with you there's one thing that definitely builds on for actors they like you to have done 
a little bit of work, you know, they're sort of, yeah. so you're not fresh or anything like that. Um, you, you need to, if you're the more experienced you are, the, it also helps you anticipate the type of thing they're going to want. So you often, if you talk to the producers and uh, the director and the writers, when you're in the, in the negotiations before you start, you can often say, look, you know, I, I want to help you. And this is how I think I would help you. You sort of approach it a bit um, business. like There's a lot of uh, people forget in the word, you know, the film business word. They forget the business side of these things. Um, you know, and you're like, well, it is you are making a product for a customer eventually. And if I, if I can help you with that execution, then I will. But this is how I would help you. You'll get more out of me for that. Perhaps something that's something that you have considered, perhaps it isn't. Um, you know, sort of, um, but if you want like me in your project, you know, I, I would, based on my own experience of me being in other projects, I would suggest this sort of approach, you know, sort of, and people can take that or they can leave it or they can go, no, thank you, Simon. Can you just do what we're asking? And I'm like, yep, I'll be there anyway. You know, sort of, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a suggestion. And maybe I don't know the whole playing field of everything, but, um, movies, you know, the way people make movies is sort of similar. So yeah. I always, I always know what to I always know not to schedule a, an 8 p.m. dinner on a, a day where they just say, don't worry, you've only got one scene. You should be in and out pretty quickly. Oh, yes. Famous you know, last word. Don't, don't, don't make dinner arrangements that night. You know, so if you'll be there. Yeah, somehow you'll still be there at 11 p.m. Yeah. I don't know how. And, and conversely, it's those days where you have, you know, you've got to get through 11 pages today and, and you just, you know, knock the whole thing out in, in an hour and a half or something. You're like, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's just a weird time dilation effect that happens on on film productions so it is it's no getting used to it i'm afraid yeah. but there is predicting it it's wonderfully unpredictable and that's how you know how to work around it so doing the flemish accent and and coming in there i would imagine that you probably didn't get very much opportunity to improvise with with schwarzenegger and on top of the fact that he's brand new to all of this whole tv thing i mean the process of making tv shows and films are very similar but i imagine the pace is probably a little bit more go 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 with with this show than it would be on a feature did did he did he seem he, let me tell you like, about him he he, he he seemed like a miracle because he's a the guy's 75 years old right and he, he has got the energy uh that i've just boundless energy like and he was so nice and he was so polite he says hello and good morning to like everybody, mm. you know, sort of like, like he, he makes nobody feel unimportant or irrelevant. Um, he doesn't brush past anybody, you know, sort of, uh, and he gives, uh, you know, he, he sort of has that, you can kind of see sort of leadership qualities in him, you know, like he's, he approaches everything like a very well seasoned CEO and he has a business mentality like that too. Yeah. And that's why he's so good with people, but he's got such a good attitude, like positive Positivity, he obviously understands that a positive work atmosphere is going to get more out of everybody around you. So, you know, he's very polite, very, you know, he's very funny. Um, and that sort of atmosphere relaxes anybody that might be otherwise nervous about sitting working with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's a wonderful, but he understands that. That's, and that's him, that's him doing his thing. He's like, yes, I'm going to come in here like just every other person, you know, even though outside that room he's Arnold Schwarzenegger and every, the whole world knows his name. You know, sort of, but he does, he's not, it doesn't, you don't feel that in the room with him, you know. So at, at what point did you have this, or or did you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making an assumption there, did you have a moment before getting in there and shooting the scene, you have this, oh, I'm going to be shooting with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, this is, this is, this one of those, 
because for us here, you know, all of the stuff that we cover, all of the people we talk to, we interview and we review things and whatnot. And on the outside looking in, it's very cool. You know, I get to sit down and I talk to celebrities and actors and authors and it's uh, and every now and again, I get reminded from somebody on the outside that what we do here is pretty cool because we get to talk to all sorts of people. Yeah. <laughs> and the the separation between media professional and fan uh sometimes i i forget to be a fan did you have a fan moment before you guys started shooting was there was there's this this deer in the headlights oh crap what have i gotten myself into moment there was certainly was um i mean because but thankfully it happened in a so before we started shooting the show uh the netflix uh, the, the the production managers of Netflix arranged like a Zoom, like meet and greet with everybody and and a read through of the episode. So they do they, they do that they read the episodes. Um, and normally you might not before COVID uh, times you might have done this in the room with each other, but right. you know with Zoom and stuff like that they do it on this. So I had my deer in headlights moment on the Zoom um, because Arnold Schwarzenegger was on the Zoom and he was reading his <laughs> stuff and that was the first time I'd actually ever interacted with him. Um, was on Zoom. So thankfully, and because it was just a rehearsal, it didn't really matter. Um, you know, you have that moment of like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is talking to me on a Zoom. You know, this is epic. You know, like, you know, sort of, uh, this is this is amazing. Yeah. And then you're like, and then they're like, Simon, it's your line. And you're like, oh, crap. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. I was, <laughs> so I was like, I was just looking. The problem was, guys, is I was just looking at Arnold Schwarzenegger and he was talking to me. So... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they're yeah. like, can we carry on, Simon? I was like, yeah, we can. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned Zoom and, and the impact of the pandemic and how things have changed with the process and stuff. And you know, we're just getting back out of all of that. Movies are coming back to the theaters. Audiences are coming back to the theaters. There's a lot of stuff going on with streaming. Um, most everybody has a streaming network. You've got Netflix and you've got Hulu and you've got Quibi and you've got Paramount Plus and Disney Plus and Peacock and and whatever else plus. How has that changed the process of finding roles? Because you mentioned auditions. I know a lot of stuff going on pre with the pandemic. You're recording your auditions instead of actually going going places. Has there been a permanent change in the process uh, from an actor's standpoint in in terms of how you go about chasing roles and landing landing the next gig? Uh, not not to my knowledge. Uh, you mean I mean honestly, the pro the, you're talking about the format has changed, but yeah. the process the process is still the same. So even though it's you're talking to producers on uh zoom you were you, before that you were just meeting them in person you know sort of so other other than uh the actual things that they're getting you to do are all the same you're auditioning you submit your tapes i mean that's the sort of thing the casting director would do with you anyway you talk chat with the producers uh you know sort of or you might have to chat with i don't know the network or something depending on what who it is it's all it's all still the same sort of thing um just a lot of it's become a bit virtual but filmmaking in general hasn't switched up because ultimately all of this pre-production can be done on Zoom and stuff like that, and that's wonderful. But uh, you have to, I mean, to get a costume fitting, you have to go somewhere to do a screen test. You have to go in, right. you know, to go and do it. And obviously to film the actual show, you, I mean, you can't do that remotely. So it's like one of these jobs that remote work has never, you know, sort of a lot of jobs went, you know, kind of online, 
in COVID because they could be done remotely. This is one job that still can't be done remotely. So it didn't really affect the process too much. Did it... Did it open up additional, more opportunities for you? Because now you're just, I mean, everything now is a recorded thing. You're sending it to somebody online. Does yeah. that does that give you more di- different things to, to go after then, I guess? It, it said, I'll tell you one thing it did help with is that you could, you could go after more things. So... It, it, no, back in the in the good old days of pre-pandemic, you'd have to go into the studio and you'd have to you'd do a thing. But that could take that could waste your whole day, you know. So for a job you might not get and stuff like that, or it'd certainly take five six hours. Um, now they ask you to zoom, or they ask you to self tape and you know do submit an audition or you know online. And obviously you can do like you could do twenty of those in a day, you know. Sort of I mean you have to still kind of put your work in a little bit, but the ability to go after more and further reaching you know so if i have a job in toronto but also want to go for one in vancouver i can do both now because they both you know they don't need you to be physically there till the shoot or the till the screen test or costume fitting or whatever so they they it's opened up the world a little bit more sort of uh for actors you know so the the ability to get to other places is you know sort of and do several things at once is great so are you in Canada a lot nowadays then? I mean, I know a lot of a lot of TV shows, a lot of productions are up in in Vancouver and Toronto both. Um yeah. are do you stay based in the UK and then just travel over here whenever you've got work or are you here? I I I'm here here being Canada, but yes, uh, uh, I'm uh, I'm not in Kansas City, you know. So <laughs> no. <laughs> no, if you were in Kansas City, we'd be doing this in the studio. <laughs> we'd be sat sat right be there. That would be madness for us to do it in the same city. <laughs> No, um, but Canada, yes, um, because, you know, it's a halfway house between uh, the UK. I'm still, uh, I would say I live in Canada, that's 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 base now. My brother lives here and everything, so uh, it's it's a base for me a little bit. Um, and then I, I end up traveling a lot for work. That's the problem, people go, well, where are you based? To? Like, as an actor, it's like, well, where do you want me to be based? You, you go, you travel with the work all the time. Anyway, they know, the minute you move to a city... If I moved to New York City, I guarantee you I would never book another job in New York City ever. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. know, so the minute I, minute I moved, to, I lived in Los Angeles for a while. And whilst I was in Los Angeles, I got a lot of jobs and none of them were filming in Los Angeles. <laughs> I had to go to Georgia to film a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Well, and, and you know, a lot of a lot of states are reevaluating various different, you know, tax incentives and, and, and film incentive packages. I know Missouri just passed one that uh, they haven't had one in a long while. And you get a lot of work in Louisiana. There's a lot of work in Atlanta, like you're talking about down in Georgia. Uh, is, is there, have you come across a favorite shooting location, a favorite base of operations where there is a film industry that's thriving? I mean, there's lots of like places that are very exciting. Um, so like Atlanta, Georgia, you know, Atlanta is a good one, sort of, um, yeah, and that's always nice to shoot there. But I shot a couple of movies in Puerto Rico, and that was quite nice, just because it's, uh, it feels like you know you're in Hawaii, <laughs> you know, it's sort of, uh, it's got a tropical island feel to it, and uh, everything's got that nice attitude there, sort of. Um, it's a great place to film, yeah. but obviously it's very hot and stuff like that, so you, you have to. Because I like the heat. Sometimes they, I said that and actually don't enjoy the heat, but I filmed a lot in their winter. And their winter still being very pleasant, sure. obviously. You know, but at the height of their summer, I'm not sure I would enjoy it as much. <laughs> so. 
I did catch an interview with you uh, in in Toronto. You were in studio, and they were asking you about not just Fubar, but The Witcher. And uh, Witcher. I, I, okay. I, I don't see that on your IMDb, and I know you said that you can't talk about very much of anything they, on that. So I'm, I they just... They would kill me. They would... <laughs> Let me tell you what happens here, right? I've got uh, right next to my screen here, I've got another screen with this got a PDF from these glorious people at Netflix. It was like, you know, it just says it's private and stuff like that. And it's five pages of things I can't talk to you about oh, for Fubar. The Witcher is worth, The Witcher is like working for the CIA. You know, there's code names and everything. It's not even called The Witcher, by the way, when you're filming it. When yeah. you go to film The Witcher, it's called something else completely. They have right. like code names, even when you're on set. So the guy's walking around with ID tags and stuff, and their ID tags say a different name. And you're like, but this is The Witcher, right? Yeah. And they're like, yes, but we don't say that. But they're like looking over their shoulder, like, you know, we don't say that. And they're like, but everyone here knows that because everyone's here is working on The Witcher, right? And they're right. like, they still don't have like, you know, stop. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but you don't need to, you, know, you need to shout it out. And they're like, oh, a little bit. It's cool, right? Right. <laughs> And you're like, they demand they not want you to tell you. So that I, can, I can tell you even less about The Witcher, other than <laughs> I don't. Mate, I'm not actually even sure. This is the, the ridiculous of this, Jason. I'm not even sure if I'm actually allowed to tell you I'm in it. I am in it, but like you know, so I'm in season three of it, you know. So, but I'm only in one episode of it, you know. But anyway, but I'm not actually even sure I'm allowed to come on that. And I've done this job like ages ago. I did. I filmed this last year, you yeah. know. Sort of. I was like, I, can I confirm I'm in it? You know. Sort of. I'm not. They haven't added me to IMDb, so I'm, I don't know if it's still a secret, but I saw some websites. People sent me some websites that have reported that, you know, you're in this apparently. And I was like, I I guess I can say it now then. I don't know. You know, I never. If it happens to me, mate, why, if I say something wrong, somebody knocks on my door, right. slits my throat. You know, that's. Some of That's these some of these productions are so secretive and and it almost seems counterproductive. The amount of effort to keep the secret uh, almost feels like it's guaranteed to get out after a certain amount of time because you know people are just ready to bust and and tell somebody and and it eventually gets there. So yeah, it's it's nuts the level that they go to on this. Even the scripts are not. When they when they give the scripts to you, I mean that's the big one as well, you know, because you can tell people what happens in the story. Uh, they they come under different names, you know, sort of, and you're like they're watermarked and everything with your name on it. So if you leaked it onto the internet, it would <laughs> they'd be like, oh, we can tell them that it was your script, Simon. How did you let somebody, you know, if you left a copy of it at Kinkos or something, you know, like they could tell that who who it would be, you know, yeah. sort of. Uh, but yeah, crazy. And the Witcher the Witcher fans are crazy fans as well. Crazy. I don't mind telling you that. Oh, Thank God. I want to talk about that a, a little bit further. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's take a real quick break. Tell Google where to interrupt us. We will continue our conversation with Simon Phillips on the other side of this. Stand by. If you unsubscribe to our podcasts, our legion is doomed. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. The concept of flying cars uh-huh. is just a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. It is a disastrous idea. People can't drive on a level flat surface, yeah. let alone, you know, it's, uh, trust me, this is one of those things where you want Khan to be thinking two-dimensionally. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Good morning, Multiverse, Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. 
Back live from the bunker. And for those of you who have been uh, aware of my mobile device travails, uh, I do have one positive thing to share about the new phone. Uh, I finally get Google Maps in dark mode. So, you know, it's not all bad, I guess. Anyway. All right, we are continuing our guest today, Mr. Simon Phillips. He is in the upcoming Netflix series FUBAR with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm looking at your IMDb. And you've got a number of projects that are listed as upcoming. But you've got a couple of them I want to I ask you about because you're Santa Claus. Yeah, you have you have played Santa Claus in a couple of of not just once, twice. <laughs> now, is it the same Santa Claus? Are they related, or is it just? Yeah, they're the same. Okay. The same psychopathic Santa Claus. I think you're missing out the first <laughs> yes, word. That, right. So how did how did that come about? I mean, just, somebody comes in and says, "Hey, Simon, we want you to play Santa Claus, but you're going to be wielding an axe, and there's going to be blood everywhere." <laughs> That's what that's what it is. They go, you want to play Santa Claus in a, in a thing? I'm like, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, my mother would love that. And they're like, hold on, yeah. Um, let me finish that thought on how we what we envisage the film. So it's you and Mrs. Claus. So I was like, yes. And I was like, killing a bunch of like teenagers. And I was like, ah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Have you have you ever gotten a, an offer for a role that you just looked at sideways and think, there's no way that I'm taking this job? No, but I probably definitely should have done that on some of them. (laughs) Not going to say which movie. Oh, no, I will say which movie. Um, So somebody asked me once, I'm going to tell you this. I definitely shouldn't tell you this. Um, But there was an opportunity to work with Robert England, you know, Freddy Krueger. Sure, yeah. Uh, And I was like, I was a younger actor. And I was like, Freddy Krueger's in the movie? And uh, they were like, yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. I was like, I'd love to be. And I was like, what's my... And it goes, yeah, well, uh, you're helping out these girls uh, who are being attacked by werewolves. And I was like, it's sort of a, you're like kind of a, a Val Helsing type character. You're helping the, you know, sort of you're looking after them. And Robert England's one of these, he's sort of the head of the werewolf pack. And I was like, I love this, you know, sort of great. This sounds ridiculous and awesome at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just as I was about to leave, the producer told me the whole thing. And just as I was about to leave the, you know, the thing, uh, I was like, oh, uh, what's it called? And he goes, it's called Strippers versus Werewolves. <laughs> I, should have, I should have said no to it. Anyway, <laughs> it's out there now, so I can't stop it. Um, but it, yeah, I did the movie. But it was, uh, you know, one of those, it's called what? Strippers versus Werewolves. And then people saw it later and they were like, Sam, I saw that movie. It wasn't very good. And I was like, how? it was called Strippers versus Werewolves. How good do you think it was going to be? <laughs> right. uh, you know, sort of, uh, do you think it was going to be too good? That- but it you know, it was a movie with Robert England. So, you yeah. know, that was the trailer and it was well paid, you know, sort of. So it was, Michael, as a young, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Michael Caine has talked about his experience on the Jaws movie. Or it was a Jaws 3, I think he was in. Jaws 2 or Jaws 3. Jaws and, 3D. Yeah, Jaws 3D. And he's, he's, he says he's never seen it, but it got his mother a very lovely house. And, you know, and that's and, it. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, Nicolas Cage has talked about a number of different jobs that he's taken because he's got to pay the bills. And Kevin Bacon has has done these kind of things. 
And, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those trade-offs. You know, you, you look at, okay, I'm getting paid to do this thing, and it's okay, but hey, here's Robert England. Hey, here's, here's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you've racked up quite a bit what you call your trading card collection of all these different action stars right. that you have been in productions with. And, and I guess you say you're missing uh, Sly Stallone. Is, is that the last one? Right. Somebody needs to get me that one, and the set's complete. <laughs> So how long the 80s icon set is complete if I've done if I get him so to, whoever's making Tulsa King which network's that whoever those, those people are they need to ring I want I want to say that's that's not is that Netflix I don't remember oh uh, it's not Netflix it's I not think Netflix. it's Paramount uh, Paramount yeah that's right it's I'll Paramount. probably got that up. Maybe I got that wrong but I don't, it's not Netflix anyway I'll tell you that yeah I think it is because that's one of Taylor Taylor Sheridan's pieces right uh, 1923 Yellowstone same guy. It's the same guy, but it's not the same story, is it? I right, don't think. right, right. They're they're not connected, but yeah, I think uh, I think that would you and you know Tulsa King is you know mob stuff. I think you'd fit right in there. I mean, you'd be in. Being I the think there's or... a role for me, Jason, in there. Just they just need to be able to. They just need someone to flag it up to them, you know. So guys, if you're watching, just call. Well, we'll put that out there in the universe. That is there a is there an ideal because you're doing a lot of these uh, appearances as as you know, a guest role, a one shot, single episode. Whatever. Is there a recurring role that you really want to go after? Is there say, if somebody offers you a lead and says, "Here, we're going to do ten episodes. You're the guy." There's a right. I'm definitely, I'm definitely not supposed to tell you this. There is something which is coming up. Uh, but I, we haven't started work on it yet. So I'm a superstitious fellow, Jason. Okay. All right. Uh, but it is a Netflix job for a show where there is a, it's a, it's a whole season. Um, and they do have me in the whole season as a recurring character, but it hasn't started yet. So I don't want to jinx it by Absolutely. telling you it, but Absolutely. I promise I will come back on the show to say, remember that time I said I couldn't tell you about it. Now I can tell you about it. We will do that. We will definitely make that uh, make that happen. So what else is going on for you? Because not only are you an actor, but you're also a director, a producer. You've done some writing. I mean, you're you're kind of a busy little life in it there. What else have you got uh, in the in the in the hopper? Well, I like to keep busy in my downtime because I think the time of just um, being honest, I think the time of actors waiting for the phone to ring is uh, is is gone and is stupid anyway. As like, you should be productive uh, when you're making something, uh, like particularly your own career. That's how I, I do stuff. So whenever I, I don't, whenever I'm not on these ridiculously large two hundred million dollar Netflix TV shows, you know, you have to do something else and uh, just keep busy. And you may as well work a lot in indie films because they're way more fun because they're way you can kind of do whatever you want. So because of um, all the people that I've worked with and everything, you just pick people up along the way, kind of like, you know, you meet some guy here, some guy there, and you have like a team of writers, producers, directors, designers, and you put those guys together and you make your own shows. Like, um, so I do a lot of, um, I don't know, pitching ideas for shows or something. Some stuff I'm in, some stuff I'm not, you know, sort of some, I just, I just like the whole process. So uh, I do it as much as I can, mate, to keep your sort of, because as long as you keep working, that's how people see you. They see you in some random show or some random little indie horror movie. And then they go, you know, that guy would be all right. You know, sort of, and they, they get sort of comfort out of the fact that I keep seeing you working. So, well, and I, the, 
I would imagine too that the indie stuff uh, presents some opportunities to work that aren't impacted by uh, union strikes or anything. Just depend depending on how everything works with the contracts and whatnot. Um, I, I stumbled across something this morning. Here's another here's another window that's opened here. A very long time ago, uh, and I guess it was about the time of the last writer's strike when it was all about webisodes and web episodes and web series and that kind of thing, BMW Films got into doing some stuff, and they have released a brand new one uh, connected to Khan. Uh, this is called The Calm, and it's got a bunch of different people in it. Palm Kl- uh, Klamidov, who uh, plays... Um, uh, 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 she's in uh, Mantis in in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uma Thurman's in this, and it's a it's basically it's a BMW action thing. There's this whole fight inside inside the car while the car is self driving. Ah, so I've, 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 I've not these, seen. I'm going to have to now. Here yeah. are these new things now, and these new opportunities. Not just you know indie films, but you know th- this kind of thing. You know. There are the landscape for all of this stuff keeps changing, and you've got to adapt. You've got to, to to you know kind of modify your your pitch and and figure things out. But on the on the flip side of it, there's those opportunities to connect with brand new audiences. When you're talking about fans and being recognized, and and as as you get into more things. And you've got lead lead roles and whatnot. Then you've got to start dealing with fandom. And cannot confirm or deny with The Witcher, but you know that's one of those shows, yes. uh, the Marvel stuff, the Star Wars stuff, where you have fans that are <clears throat> very energetic. Let's say. Let's let's be polite. Have, have, have you? Have you run into that yet? Are are you are you looking at this and saying and going, you know, I've got this offer for this role, and this thing's going to put me right in the middle of this, and I don't know that I want to do that. Have you have you ever thought about what happens when Simon Phillips becomes the next Marvel superhero or or whatever it is that you're going to do? I don't think that's on the cards for me. I'm I'm a bit more. Um... <laughs> A bit too gritty and a bit too rough around the edges for mm. some of these guys. Um, sort of. So, my my goal, mate, is um, is to just keep working. You know, younger. That's what being a successful actor was. You know, it's not uh, not being not being famous, but working. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're like, if you're consistently working, is that how you pay the bills and so on and so forth? Then that's that's you know that's the most you can ever ask for as a working actor. So for me, but obviously every now and then you'll get opportunities like this Arnold Schwarzenegger show like The Witcher and stuff like that which sort of will